What a great opportunity for us all to be reminded in the form of a concise statement of faith of what we all believe. And if you aren't sure about all what you just read on the screens, I want to genuinely encourage you to seek the Lord to, point, to the point that you are certain. He promises that as we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him and find answers. Okay, so as part of a rooted youth, toward the end of the class, each student is asked to consider what they've learned over the past seven months and how they see things differently as they experienced drawing closer to the Lord Jesus. And how are they different? And what has God revealed to them that they didn't know before? One interesting aspect with all this year's students is that they all have been a part of this church for at least a few years, uh, some of them many years of their young lives. And many of them wrote things like, I have been coming to church since I was a young kid. But many of the same students, that was a lot of the students started out their testimony that way. But many of the same students wrote their testimony how they truly had changed since the beginning of Rooted Youth. Their walk of faith moved from coming to church since I was a kid to now I understand the true meaning why Jesus died for my sins. Or my relationship has grown with God. I feel a lot more connected with him. Someone else said, Jesus is now the center of my life as I try to be more like him. One student shared that his attitude to learn more from the Bible has changed. Isn't that great? Another shared that with his class after baptism, I'm, only a, I'm able to not only hear God's word, but also listen. Still another shared how her anxiety about going to school had greatly improved with prayer and worship. And now when she does get anxious, she reminds herself that God has not given her a spirit of fear. Using the word of God. Throughout this class, there are several opportunities for water baptism. And one student shared, I thought about water baptism and realized my fear wasn't worth it. Why should I be nervous? After I was baptized, I felt lighter, like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. What a great testimony. Throughout class, there are several opportunities for uh, water baptism, and that was one of the, one of the uh, perspectives of what one of the students said. What a wonderful attitude to have, looking forward to, hoping to grow and learn and prosper in Christ. What more could you ask for? And I'm thankful also that he didn't have the idea to murder anyone, right? That's a great place to start, too. Another one of our students in Rooted Youth wrote this in her testimony. God has a plan for me, and his plan was for me to get baptized and love him more. And he wants me to pray every night and read the Bible. I love that. Don't you? Don't you love hearing? Yeah, yeah great, awesome. <clears throat> the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for 
me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. What's it spell? The Bible. Thank you. The Bible. The Bible. The word of God. Last week, Pastor Noah forwarded an article to me titled, Tragic Crash Looms as U.S. Parents Embrace Fragmented Worldview. It was published by Arizona Christian University just two weeks ago. So this research is fresh, and it's conducted by George Barna and Arizona Christian University. And it presented some troubling statistics concerning the belief system held by parents of preteens, parents of these students and many of, uh, many of your kids here too. All, and it, it presented the, the, how, the statistics of what they, how they view the world. And worldview refers to a set of beliefs and values that we have that helps us make sense of the world. We all have one. And it's formulated in ourselves by the time we're 10 to 15 years old. A biblical worldview helps us see and understand the world around us, how we fit into it and why it functions the way it does through the lens of scripture. But what the article and the research uh, reveals about American parents of preteens is that their worldview has gone from I stand alone on the word of God to a hodgepodge of views and beliefs with many of them in conflict with one another. Thank you. So, the worldview of more than 90% of those who say that they're born again Christians are actually formed in this way right now. And this is what's incredible These born-again Christians, they believe in the Bible and they bring it into their worldview, but they also add in what happens on Netflix or Disney Plus or Discovery Plus. And then 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 they take the knowledge of man. I've got a 1969 version of Funk and Wagnall's Encyclopedia. We put that in there. And then we take this thing and all that happens in it, social media, what, what's going on in our friends' lives and what's going on in our lives and how much can I let them know? We throw that in there. And then we take all loving money and we sprinkle it around And these views of the world get mixed up and mixed in. And the junk of the world gets all mixed in. And we wind up with what? We wind up with a mess. We wind up with 90% of parents of pre-teens who call themselves born again have this sort of a worldview that's mixed up, a soup of beliefs that are competing with each other and for their heart and for the heart of their kids. 90% of these born-again parents 
are now left with confusion about what they actually stand for. And they really don't realize that there's a problem because the change has been very subtle. But little by little, things get added to our worldview. The result is not just the confusion of a belief system, but instead the real tragic end result that the article points out is that the next generation is being handed a confusing mishmash soup of mixed up beliefs so that they don't even know who to believe and who to trust. There's a tragic story from the book of Numbers about this huge group of people whom we often refer to as the children of Israel. Roughly a year and a half had gone by since God had freed these people from slavery in Egypt through his might and power and love. They had witnessed dozens of displays of God's power and provision throughout that year and a half. And now they found themselves on the border of this beautiful and fertile land that God had promised to give them. The promised land. They sent 12 spies into the land and to do a little reconnaissance before they staged their takeover. The spies came back and sure enough, the report said that the land was exceedingly good and the fruit growing there was incredible. But the people who lived there were overwhelming to them. The cities were walled and they were huge. 10 of the 12 spies told Moses and the rest of the people that it couldn't be done. They believed that there was no way that they could conquer the land and move in. But two men out of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, believed that it could be done with God on their side. And they believed they should do it immediately. But the people couldn't be convinced. And overnight, the 10 spies spread fear and doubt through the camp. They were afraid and upset and even cried out. They said this, it would be better for us to go back to our old life in Egypt. Their old life of slavery. So because of their fear and their doubt and their lack of trust in God, God told the people of Israel that everyone under 20 years old and older would not be entering the promised land now or ever Everyone 20 years and older would die out in the desert before the Israelites would step foot into the promised land. And 40 years later, after the last fearful, doubting, untrusting Israelite died, the children led by Joshua were called upon by God to do the job that their parents were unwilling to do. And this is why I spent time telling you this tragic story from the B-I-B-L-E. And I want to connect this article of forecasting this tragic crash because we are on a similar trajectory. Our current living generations, our parents, us, and you students, young people, were faced with overwhelming challenges kind of like the people of Israel were faced with. They were overwhelmed. But our challenges are to our faith, challenges to our beliefs, challenges to the truth. And it's all a challenge to our God. The word of God, this book, 
has long been held in this country as a reliable source of right living. But more and more, it's getting pushed to the wayside, labeled as outdated, unnecessary, backward, and even oppressive. But parents and grandparents and students, rooted adults and youth, church, my challenge is to you to not let that be you. As you face the challenges of this world, you must change and fish out (laughs) the word of God and separate it from this mess, this soup that the world throws at it. And how much better does it look when we look through the clear lens of Scripture? How much easier it is to see and know what we're supposed to do? Now is the time to say no to the love of money or to reduce the amount of influence that media has in our life and our time. And for crying out loud, get off your phones. My wife and I were at a restaurant the other day and there was a precious little kid eating ice cream with the mom and the dad was across the table on his phone the entire time. What a missed opportunity just to have a connection. But how little connection do we have an opportunity to have when we could be passing on our faith to the next generation? Taking on a biblical worldview requires time in the B-I-B-L-E. Get a version, students, everybody, get a version that you can understand. Even listen to it read out loud. The more you spend time in God's word, seeking truth, learning, the more it becomes a part of who you are and the more you look at the world through the lens of scripture with a biblical worldview. Paul writes to his friend in Timothy, his friend Timothy and says, all scripture is God-breathed and it is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book is a weapon and it's an instrument of healing. It's inspirational and convicting. There are answers to questions worth knowing And it helps us discern when the questions don't matter. In this book, there's words to live by. There's examples on how not to live. There's truth and power and visions of the future and visions from of warnings of the future. And there are words of eternal life. The B-I-B-L-E, that's, yes, that's the book for me. Stand alone on this word of God. Not all this. We do have to live in the world. But get your truth from here. Let's turn this tragic crash around, church. We can do it. Let's not make the next generation do the job that we're called to do right now. Amen? So we do not want to be party to mixing up worldview soup. No. And that's part of the importance of 
our classes, why we take the time to ask folks who would want to be uh, participating in all that the church has, to be members of the church. Let's take some time to just explore what we believe, why we believe it. Uh, We've heard a bit about what the youth class does. Our adults, they've taken two classes, rooted one and two. They're both 11 weeks. And uh, it's to focus and to really hone in on the fundamentals of our Christian faith and to stay with them. So we're not mixing this worldview soup. And I will admit the last couple years have been challenging to conduct these classes, but I'm thrilled this morning that we are able to confirm some in their faith and and the, the coordination, the management of these courses over the past couple of years and the instructors. And sometimes it was on uh, sometimes it's online using things like Zoom. Sometimes it was in person. That was uh, all really managed behind the scenes by Pastor Julie. So thank you for that. I really appreciate all that you did to keep these classes moving and going. She has been doing uh, so, so much and working so hard. Uh, and along uh, with the, the instructors, of our adult classes, I do want to acknowledge them. They have also really done well, and that's uh, Dale and Angela Flowers. And also uh, Scott and Nicole Wanamaker. They have, they've been uh, leading these courses. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, to, to all of you who've been just working so diligently, and it's been great. And of course, then our students, and I do want to acknowledge them and let you know who we are confirming this morning uh, in the faith. And we have a good group, and I'll begin with uh, Emily Albrecht. And uh, her husband, Justin Albrecht. Taylor Allen. Uh, Matthew Bowden. Jesse Costa. Sydney Jacobson. Kimo. Maldonado, uh, Dan Mashing, Casey Mohammed, Hamza Mohammed, Linda Naughton, Lisa Weishar, and her husband, Steve Weishar. It's a great group of people, and we're glad to uh, be able to pray over them this morning. I want to add a little bit to uh, what Pastor Rob has said and also allow you to hear from uh, a couple of students in the class because 
Again, these, these are uh, important classes. We are really striving to have people rooted in the faith. We want them to keep the word of God as important in their life. We are, our heart is that the world wouldn't creep in. And so this is, this is part of it. And to share with you some of the uh, perspective in the class, we have a, two students they are going to just speak to you briefly. And uh, our first is Jesse Costa. So Jesse, come on over and tell us a little bit about, about your experience in Rooted. Good morning. I want to show you some of my experience that I've had at Bethesda. Rude One has helped me in various ways with my relationship with God. For example, one thing that I had a hard time thinking about was how to prove that some events in the Bible actually happen. The first lesson showed me about the Moabite stone, Dead Sea Scrolls, the Balaam plaster fragments, and the Rosetta Stone. Although I've heard about the Rosetta Stone, I didn't really understand what it was until now. It helped translate the language of the Old Testament, and I picked up on some things that I passed by when I was reading Genesis. Now, thinking about how God operated on Adam, putting him to sleep, that helped mankind with medical knowledge to do that. I believe this is one of the most important things that happened in Genesis, and it will help me later. I also learned how the book of Job talks about water evaporation before anyone even understood evaporation. The Bible had that knowledge before mankind figured it out. I have been saved and baptized, but I believe you can take this course again to help refresh your memory with the basics, which isn't bad, because it helps to keep God's important knowledge rooted in our hearts. Another important thing that I learned is that Jesus came to restore the relationship between mankind and God. In the Old Covenant, even though they offered sacrifice, their sins weren't fully gone. When we repent and believe in Jesus, he takes away our sin. In addition, I realized since we are humans, some things are just beyond our comprehension and there will be times where we cannot explain everything about God. Also, I never really realized how much Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament. And I think that is so amazing to see. I learned so much more and some of the confusion that I had with the Bible was cleared up. Rooted II helped me understand how there are various types of worship that we give to God, and sometimes we fall into worshiping idols. Also, I learned that tithing is deeply involved with our heart, and there is a blessing that comes from it. The ninth commandment is one of the things that I really got help from because I didn't know what it meant to give false testimony. And some of the things I fall into is gossip and presumption. I got a better understanding of the sacrament that Jesus did, which was the washing of feet, and how it serves to be an example of forgiving and humility with another. Bethesda has been such a huge help with my walk with God, and I feel loved by this family. And I've been given opportunities to serve just as well with Pastor Noah's ministry for youth with Stephen Perkins and Jenny Vive Quintana and Todd Shupik and Ann Shupik's Young Adult Ministry, which has helped out in my relationship with God, knowing more and learning from each other. Last of all, 
All the pastors that come on Sunday to preach, especially Pastor Pat, have helped me just repent, knowing truly that the Spirit of God is in Bethesda, and have just better understood God's character. Thanks again, Scott and Nicole, Dale and Angela, for these amazing rooted classes. Thank you, Jesse. It's excellent, excellent to hear how God's working in people's lives, and we have another one to share with us a little bit about uh, her experience uh, through uh, these rooted classes, and uh, that is Sydney Jacobson. So, Sydney, come on over and tell us a little bit about how this class has impacted your life. Good morning, church. I took catechism 10 years ago, but it wasn't until recently I wanted to further my relationship with Jesus Christ and get a better understanding of the word. I would say about five years ago, I liked to be independent, do things myself, and get things done so I didn't have to worry about bothering anyone. Three years later, I had gone through double hip reconstruction surgery and really had to learn to depend on not only my family who helped take care of me, but also God. During my downtime, I had a lot of time to focus on myself and my relationship with Jesus, and I knew that I had to depend on him to get through the experience as positively as possible. So after that, I decided to sign up for Rooted. Taking Rooted gave me a better understanding of how much I need him on a day-to-day -day basis in order to live, honor, and serve God. It was hard for me to get into the word, but since going through the classes, I've become more in tune with him and have become better at studying his word. Throughout this time, my eyes have been opened to see how much my relationship with Jesus matters. I have been fed so much spiritually and feel I have grown stronger as a Christian. Rooted One helped me grow as a person and helped my relationship with Jesus grow stronger. And Rooted Two taught me more about God's love, eternal life after our life here on earth, and how important it is to have Jesus at the center of my life. We have to have conversation on hard days and keep him close to our hearts so evil can't step in. He wants a relationship and to be most important in our lives, but we have to do our part and devote time to him. I have found myself having those conversations more and praying more frequently during the day. I have noticed how my feelings have changed about situations that used to affect my day negatively and now they don't. In times of fear, I have felt God's gift of the Holy Spirit overshadow and comfort me. My biggest takeaway from both classes is that God has eternal love for us because of his only son. Anything we do, we need to be doing it for him and not just for ourselves. I found myself wanting to be a light unto others and show them how much God loves them. I just wanna say thank you to Pastor Pat and Julie for leading the church the way that you do. Scott and Nicole Wanamaker for making our Zoom Rooted One class the best it could be. And Dale and Angela Flowers for your wisdom and guidance in Rooted Two. There is no one who is insignificant in the eyes of God, and he is our provider. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not things on earth. Thank you. So good to hear. So good to hear. These are some excellent perspectives from students that are in the class. I know that in our youth class and in our adult classes, there is so much shared perspective. 
of what God has done in people's lives. And it's so good to hear. It's so good to hear that God's moving in people's lives, that uh, they're seeking more and they want to grow in him. And as I heard these two stories from Jesse and from Sydney, there are some things that were, I'll say, common in both of them. And I want to uh, take hold of that this morning, tie it in a little bit to what uh, Pastor Rob was saying about just mixing things up. Sydney had mentioned she took this class once before. She's been here 22 years. She said she took this class as a youth 10 years ago. We called it catechism back then, but we call it rooted now. She's taken it again as, a, as a, an adult, found it beneficial. You heard that. Jesse said, I have been saved and baptized. But I believe you can take this course again to help you refresh your memory with the basics. Then he added, which isn't bad, because it helps to keep God's important knowledge rooted in our hearts. And of course, that's what we want. And there's something in both of these sentiments that reflects on the importance the, the critical nature of knowing and living the fundamentals, the basics, the foundations of our Christian faith. And that's not bad. You, you might ask, well, doesn't the New Testament say we're not supposed to lay again the foundation? Doesn't the New Testament say don't lay the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and baptisms? Yes, yes, the New Testament says that. You're right. It's the letter to the Hebrews. And doesn't that same letter say, you should all be teachers by now? But you're not. You're in, you're in need of the basics, like a child needs its milk. Again, yes, the New Testament does say those things. There is an absolute necessity to move on and to grow beyond the fundamentals of our faith. Yes. Jesse had said, I have been saved and baptized. Well, is that it? Is he done? Is, is he through with his, with his advancing and Jesus? Has he reached all there is, the pinnacle of Christianity? Well, of course not. Of course not. The New Testament does encourage growth and moving forward. In the, the second letter that Peter wrote, uh, he warned of false prophets and of false teachers. And he said, watch out. Watch out that you're not carried away by their error and by their lawlessness. In other words, your Christianity is going to be tried. So yeah, you better make it strong. You better move on. Peter warned of it. And he ended the second letter he wrote with this line. This is the last line of his letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Great close to his letter, but his encouragement is grow, move, advance. So yeah, the New Testament encourages that. Yes, absolutely. But revisiting from time to time, being reminded of the basics, that's also encouraged. It's not a bad thing. We can grow, we can advance, and yet we can touch back and refamiliarize ourselves with our foundational beliefs, the fundamentals, just like our, our two testimonies had suggested. And I kind of liken it to mathematics. I took algebra in the ninth grade. And then after that, 
No math. I, I was the worst high school student. I, I, I did excellent. I had A plus in cutting class. Uh, detention was great at that. Did well, if I could have been graded on that. But after algebra, I really didn't add to it. And yeah, that pun's intended. Uh, not, so after high school, I, I was, what am I going to do? And then I decided, well, I should go to college. I wanted to be an engineer. You know what that meant? It meant math and a lot of math. And where did I have to go again? I had to go to algebra again and then trigonometry and then pre-calculus and then five calculus classes. And, you know, you know as I moved after algebra to these other courses and pre-calculus and all the calculus classes, algebra remained important. And I had to go back and revisit it from time. I kept my book. I'd look back on the basics sometimes. Oh, what's factoring? I got to get that. Okay. But it wasn't a bad thing. It didn't mean that I stopped growing in my math advancement. No, but from time to time, I needed to go back and check those basics. And so it is with our Christian faith. God's word encourages reminders of what's important. Pastor Julie came up here and opened the service. She read a verse from Paul's letter to the Colossians. And then she said, that's a great reminder. It is. We need reminders. We need reminders of our faith. We need them. We need them uh, over and over again. God's word encourages it. There's examples. In the Old Testament, God instituted the annual feast days. For example, Passover. Why did God institute Passover? To remind the people you've been saved. Really? They needed to be reminded they'd been saved from slavery? They'd come out of Egypt. They, they came out in a great way. They knew they were saved. They knew they were no longer slaves in Egypt. But God said, once a year, I want you to remember that. Go back to that. I saved you. I took you by the hand and led you out of Egypt. Remember that. Celebrate this thing called the Passover. God also instituted the Sabbath day. It's a weekly reminder to put one's trust in God. Trusting God, having faith, it's a basic, it's foundational, and yet God ordained a weekly reminder. And that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we're encouraged to revisit the fundamentals of our faith. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians about living a holy life. And he wrote, I urge you, live this holy life more and more. And then what did he do? He referred back to the instructions. He said, go back to the instructions I gave you. In other words, go back to the, the foundations. Look at them again so you know how to live this holy life that I want you to live more and more. I mentioned earlier Peter's second letter and how he closed his letter. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in the opening of his letter, Peter wrote, about the promises of eternal life. That's the gospel. He wrote about what Jesus did, winning eternal life. And he went on. The very opening of that letter, he said, now add to your faith. Put it out. Here's the gospel. Now add to your faith. And then he wrote this. Second Peter chapter 1. This is still the opening of the letter. Verses 12 to 15. He wrote, so I will always remind you of these things. I'll always remind you of the gospel. I'll always remind you of adding to your faith. 
even though you know them and are fully, firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So what was Peter's desire? His desire for his readers was to continually refresh their memory. Refresh your memory of what Jesus did, of what he did uh, for you, the gospel, and how to add to your faith. And for all of us, we should embrace that. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to refresh our memory of the things of our faith, what's important, like going back and getting a refresher on algebra, for example. It's necessary from time to time. It's not a bad thing to go back to the basics of our faith, to touch on what Jesus did so that we are not mixing up some worldview soup. When somebody presses us that, oh, here's here's a philosophy of man, Go back and read what Christ has done for us. We don't need that philosophy of man. We don't need to mix it in. It's not a bad thing to go back to the basics of our faith, to touch on what Jesus did for us. He died for us. I mean, there is a great, great foundational element of our faith. Jesus gave his life on the cross. He paid the debt that we owed for sin. We've all sinned against God. Jesus made restitution by giving his life that was required He gave his life as a ransom for my sin, for your sin, for all the sin of mankind, for all who come to believe on him. They'll receive this gift of eternal life, sins forgiven, debt paid. We are redeemed. I need the reminder we all do from time to time, even though we know these things, even though we may be firmly established, as Peter wrote, you're firmly established in that truth, but it's not a bad thing to have a memory refresher. So for, for our classes here today, it's great. It's wonderful. You have taken the time to dig into these foundational elements of our faith. And for all of us, let's be, let, let's be reminded that it's okay to go back and touch on them from time to time. And, and now for, for those of you who are receiving prayer today, our, our students, both uh, in our youth and our adult classes, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray that Your faith gets so firm, firmly established in your your walk with Jesus Christ and that you're going to grow and you're going to advance. You're going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to close our service praying over you. And before we do that, though, we are going to refresh our memory of a basic tenet of our faith in Jesus. A reminder that Jesus indeed gave his life. A reminder that Jesus instituted by himself. He said, do this in memory of me. So we're going to take a few minutes just to have communion, what we call communion. It's a a family meal. It it really takes, takes the place of the Passover. Jesus died on Passover and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Now it's a, it's a memory meal, a memorial meal where we express, we know we're saved. Thank you, Jesus, you gave your life. We recall his life-giving sacrifice. It's 
the linchpin of our faith. And yet we're encouraged to go back, revisit it, be reminded of it. Let it sink in. We, incur, we, we, we confirm the, the covenant that he made in his blood. So prepare yourself. Get, get your bread ready. We're going to hold it and bless it together. And this time of communion is open to all who are in Christ, all who have called on Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's not that you have to be a member of this church. No, a member of his church, part of his body. We only ask that you just not uh, allow small children who just can't come to that understanding of what Christ did. Let's not put something on them they don't fully understand. This is a New Testament memorial meal. And it's explained for us a little bit in the New Testament. Paul the Apostle, he wrote about this. The idea that we're going to take bread and we're going to drink from a cup. He said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Go back, go back, recall. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Again, we're being reminded of his death. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And we don't want that. And Paul went on, that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But, but, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. So we're invited right now. Regard ourselves. Look inside. Take a minute. And just ask yourself, are you, are you really rightly, rightly discerning the sacrifice of Christ? You need to go back and just remind yourself of the awesomeness of what he's done for us, of the incredible gift that he gave, his life on a cross. Take a minute just to look at your heart and ask yourself, you know, do, you need, do you need to get right with the Lord about anything before we receive the bread and drink the cup? Let's do what we're encouraged and then we'll eat and drink together. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for his life. God, as we've taken time just to look into our hearts and speak to you and talk to you and judge ourselves, thank you for that grace that 
You said if we do that, we wouldn't be judged by you, and we appreciate that. We appreciate the opportunity to rightly discern what Jesus has done for us and ask for your forgiveness, and we trust you and know that you're faithful to forgive us when we do confess. It's your word, and we appreciate it, and we receive it. And we thank you, God. We thank you. Now hold your bread. Father God, we also thank you for this bread that represents the broken body of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for our salvation. And we're asked to remember that. So we do, God. We look back and we say, thank you. We are grateful. It's an amazing gift that he gave his life for us. And we appreciate it. And we ask you to bless this bread unto us, Lord, as we receive it. And may it be, be a sign of our common union together, our communion with Christ. All of us who receive it, we have this common bond in him. And we thank you for it. It's because he gave his life. And so we ask you to bless this bread unto us as we receive it with joy and with thankfulness in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. If you would, prepare your cup. The Apostle Paul also wrote this cup, this cup that we hold. It is the new covenant in the blood of Christ. And he said it's a cup of blessing that we bless. He wrote that in a different part. And that's an amazing thing that Jesus who gave his life and spilled his blood that we would even call it a blessing but it is because he was the final and perfect sacrifice for all of our sin what a wonderful thing let's hold it as we ask God's blessing on it for us thank you Jesus thank you God father in heaven for for the blood of Christ the blood-stained cross oh it's our salvation hard to think about he gave his life. He did it for us. God bless this cup unto us. It is a cup of blessing that we bless. We ask that you, would, that you would give us grace as we receive it, that God, you would bless it unto us, that it would truly be life to us, and we would never take the death of Jesus, his gift, for granted. Thank you for it, Father. Bless it unto us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive it together. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. as we've all reaffirmed the covenant that Jesus made for us, the new covenant in his blood, we're going to take time now to pray over our students. We're going to begin with our youth class. I want to invite our youth to the altars and our elders and presbytery who are going to be praying for them. If you would please come now. And Pastor Rob is coming back to lead the prayer over this class.
students, you can kneel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for each of these students and their time that they spent with you growing through this class. We pray as we pray for each and every one of them that you cause their roots to continue to grow, to grow deep into you as they grow like a tree planted by living waters. Let them grow in their faith as they walk with you day in and day out. Let them have the habits, the good habits of spending time with you each day in your word, talking with you in prayer, bringing their needs, bringing their anxieties, their fears, their concerns, their joys, their thankfulness. May their hearts be continually turned toward you. Yes. May they grow in you, God. May we, as we confirm them in their faith, walking forward in you, only in you, help them clean out or say no to the things that might muddy the waters and instead be fully sold out for you. Clearly looking through your scriptures for their guidance as they look at the world. We pray that you bless each and every one of them. And as their parents are continuing to be in their lives, we pray for them as well. Pray for their families, their homes, Let their parents continue to be good examples as they point the way to Jesus, as they come alongside their children, as they point the way home, to their eternal home. Thank you, God, for all that you've done for them, for your grace, your gifts, your love, for the sacrifice that you made on the cross, Jesus, for each and every one of these. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Pat. Students, you can stand up and head back to your, your seats. And rooted adult class, come on forward. Class, if you would please kneel. And all of you in the congregation, if you just please join me, and if you even feel led to stretch out your hand to these that we're praying for and confirming. Father, it's in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that we pray over each one of these that are at these altars. God, you've begun a good work in them. And we are praying with sincerity, Lord, that it continues. May their faith in Jesus Christ sink in deep. May it go down deep like the roots of a tree, Lord, like like the roots of a tree, a strong tree, and may their faith be driven deep, Lord, so that they are immovable in their faith in Jesus Christ. May it be that they are like on a solid rock. May each of one 
Each one of these remain firm in their faith, Lord, in their faith in Jesus Christ and always stand with the gospel of Jesus Christ and stand on his word to honor the bloodstained cross of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. May they be rooted in the gospel and not questioning anything, any new wind of doctrine that comes their way or putting aside anything that they have been taught or seeing it as an optional. Lord, no, Lord, we just pray that their faith would stay strong in you and may they stay connected to Jesus and knit to him, united with him and united with the gospel, Lord. May they remain joined to his word stronger than ever, Lord, and joined with other followers of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray that they would be united with others in your church, God, not forsaking the the gathering together. And, And when their faith, Lord, if it comes to a time where they're confronted or they're tested, Lord, I just pray on those days where it might seem that they don't have an answer, when, when they're having a down day, God, when they are being tested, when they have questions and they don't seem to have an answer, Lord, may they call upon you and may they recall the very basics of their faith and be encouraged. And may they remember, Father God, you've chosen them. You have chosen them and you have called them and you know them by name, each and every one of them, Lord, and that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you plucked them out of the miry clay and you saved them and you keep them in there in your hand and no one can ever snatch them away. Lord, I just pray that encouragement would come when they needed that you have called them and may the presence of your Holy Spirit surround them and carry them and keep them and help them and protect them and use them, Lord, use them as lights of the gospel, Lord, what they have learned learned and what they're growing in. God, I pray you'd put people in their paths that they could share the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ to others who come around them. Thank you for that, God. I pray that it, that it is to come, Lord. Give them the words to say. Give them the power to be your witnesses, Lord. Equip them with gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you would equip them with gifts they know not that they even have, Lord, that you would open up gifts to them and, and uh, equip them, show them, Lord, and use them in powerful ways to advance and glorify Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for it. We, we, we just pray, Lord, in this culture where they're surrounded by an antichrist culture, Lord, that they would be strong, solid in you, and the Holy Spirit would protect and guide and give them the words. Lord, again, may they be trees, trees in you, like trees planted by a river of water, roots going down deep, strength coming up in the trunk, and Lord, bringing forth fruit for your kingdom, bringing forth fruit for your kingdom. God, I pray and I ask it, Lord, yes, Lord, by your divine hand, may they never stray from the faith. May they always be with you. May they always be true to Jesus Christ. And Lord, may that good work that you have begun continue and continue. And Father, we ask it all in the powerful and the precious name of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.